Hi and welcome to our YouTube channel. My name is Josephine Hild. Kindly remember to subscribe so that you can be able to access more teachings. And I'm happy because this is our first ever teaching. So we'll begin from the very ground. We'll begin from the very lowest understanding because it is from here that we'll be able to grasp the finished works of Jesus. So even as we begin, I ask that we pray. Father, we thank you for this moment that you've given us to share this word. We pray that you enlighten our eyes of understanding. We pray that you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are, and especially in the knowledge of what sin is and what you did to it. I thank you for every person that is here hearing today. I know it is not in vain. I know our lives will be transformed, and we shall be able to transform other lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what is sin? I understand there are so many understandings of what sin is. Some are true, some are not true. But I want to make it clear as we begin that sin is not kind, it's not any kind of act. It is not what you do. Just as righteousness is not what you do. Righteousness is who you are after you believed in Jesus. Same way, sin is who you are, you were when you were sold out to Satan by Adam. So the best way to understand sin is to go back to the root. To understand the sin of mankind is to go back to the root and see what did Adam do. Because the scripture is very clear that sin came through one man. The sin of the entire world came through one man. So let us go and look at, let us look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. A very important scripture here that will help us understand this subject. It says, therefore... Just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. So here it is very clear. How did sin enter the world? This is very important for us to understand. Sin entered the world through one man. We know this one man is Adam. So to understand sin, we have to go back to the book of Genesis and see what did Adam do and how did sin come. So let us go back together to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Allow me to use my phone Bible because it is easier to peruse through. So if you look at Genesis chapter 2, if you remember the story of creation, how God created and made everything, and then it came to the man. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. So this is the first man ever to be on earth. And this is the man we are told by Paul in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 that it is through him that sin came. So now if you remember when God created Adam, he was perfect. He was, I wouldn't say he was perfect because now we understand that our perfection is in Christ. But he was with God. He was always hanging out with God. He was in the garden with God. He even had, he had dominion. You remember when God created him, he said he has given him all the dominion. That's why Adam was even able to name the animals and to take charge and to tend over the garden. So Adam was always in God. And Adam was always naked. Adam was just free and naked in the presence of God. And there was no shame about it. So there was fellowship. There was communion between God and Adam. Then something happened. So when God was was leaving the garden to Adam, there's a command that God gave to Adam. And he said to him, 
you can see it in Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 and it is written that and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat before we go to this law I want you to understand that this Adam is in fellowship with God this Adam has no knowledge of good and evil this Adam is is just is you know is free and and dependent on God he is in close communion with God. And this Adam has no knowledge of do not do this and do not do that. There was no law yet. So Adam is just living. Amen? So it says, and the Lord God said, yeah, this is verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, before we continue here, let me remind you of something that I was trying to explain. Just look at Romans chapter 7, a little bit very important. You know, now we thank God the mysteries have been revealed to us. So even as we study Genesis, we are studying with the mind of the finished works. In Romans chapter 7, Paul was trying to explain how a natural man is unable to keep the law. And he says in verse 7, in chapter verse seven, chap, mm -hmm, chapter seven, verse eight, he says, "But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead." Now I want you to look at this scripture and go back to Adam. So when Adam was in the presence of God and there was no command, "Do not do this or do this," Adam lay there safe, and sin lay dead. There was sin in the world. But sin was not in man. Sin lay dead. But when the law was given to Adam, this law took the opportunity and brought sin to life through Adam. How did it happen? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Back to our story of creation. You remember now God has created Adam. He has made everything ready for him. And then now God gives Adam the law. I want you to notice something. God gave Adam the law even before Eve came. Have you ever wondered why the Bible says that through one man, sin came into the world? Why doesn't it say through one woman, since it was Eve who was deceived? God cannot impute sin on you unless there is law. God never told Eve, do not eat from this, do not eat from this. So God had no right to account Eve of sin. So the only person that was accountable was Adam. Why? Because it was Adam that was given the law. And if you look... After the law was given to Adam, that's when Eve was created. That's when Adam was put to sleep and Eve came from her. I want us to, to jump again to verse 3, to Genesis chapter 3, sorry, and see how deception came. So Adam has been given the law. Everything is ready for him in the garden. Even Eve is there. So one day the serpent comes. And the serpent comes to who? To Eve. He didn't come to Adam. He came to Eve. And what does he tell Eve? You know, he tells, you know, Eve, Eve tells, tells the serpent, you know, we, we have been allowed to eat everything. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he said, if we eat from it, we will die. So I want us to think, how did Eve come into the knowledge of these words? Eve wasn't there when God was giving the command to Adam. So how did he know? Because Eve was schooled by Adam. Eve was, was given this knowledge by Adam. You know, when, when Eve was created from Adam, it was even Adam who named her. She will be called a woman because she came from me. She's born of my bone. 
and flesh of my flesh. So it was Adam's responsibility to make knowledge available to Eve. This is what the God has said. This is what he has said. So as much as Adam schooled Eve, it means the schooling or the knowledge that Adam gave to Eve failed. That's why Eve fell with all humanity in, in Adam. You know, if, if Eve fell, Adam fell. And I want to point something on this. It's the same way. You know, Adam was a picture of Christ Jesus. And Eve is a picture of the church. So as Adam was a husband to, to Eve, Jesus Christ is our husband. We are his bride. He is our head. He is our groom. The same way we are today, if we choose to be schooled by carnal knowledge, we shall lose people who have been entrusted to us to grow in the knowledge of God. But if we yield to the Spirit of God to give us the knowledge of God and to give it to the world, we shall be able to deliver the world. That's why we preach the gospel from the mind of Christ. We cannot go with the same carnal mind that Adam and Eve used when they rejected the mind of God. So let us see what the serpent does with Eve. So the serpent twists the word. So he convinces Eve and Eve is able to partake from the, from the tree. You remember the story. So when she partakes, she shares with Adam. And just like that, the Bible says their eyes were open. What happened? When their eyes opened, they were able to see, they were able now to know good and evil. They didn't have that knowledge. Now, this is the kind of knowledge we are talking about. This is the mind that we usually say we must be renewed when it comes to salvation. Now, they have received a carnal knowledge. It is at this point that you see Adam running away when God comes. Why is Adam running away? Now, the carnal knowledge he has received is telling him he is naked. Adam has always been with God. How comes today he has realized he is naked? And when God comes, he asks him, did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat? Because it is the only way he could know. And what did Adam do? He blames Eve. But anyway, that's how sin came. So what happened after this happened? Remember, God had already told them, the day you shall surely eat from that tree is the day you shall die. So that was a law that was made. It was already at work. The moment you eat from that tree, death comes. Amen? Now the question is, how, how, where, where does sin come in this picture? Because we see after this fall, there was a curse. Let us look at Genesis again, chapter 3, verse. The, the response of God to the serpent and the response of God to the woman, the response of God after all this happened. Remember, I believe from our knowledge, we know that when God gives a command, especially if you remember, we all know this, we study a lot in Deuteronomy chapter 28, Deuteronomy chapter 29, the curses and the blessings of God, and we all know, when God gives a command and somebody obeys it, there is a blessing that goes with it. That was how it was in the Old Testament. When God gives a command and it is not obeyed, there is a curse that comes from it. Now we know God gave Adam a command, do not eat from the tree of no knowledge of good and evil. So that was the command. Now Adam failed. So what is the curse that is as a result of this failure? Let us see it here. In Genesis 3.14 it says, and this is actually the most important of our scripture. If we understand this, we'll be able to understand a lot. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. 
I want us to pay attention to this scripture. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle. Now remember, when God created Adam, dominion belonged to Adam. Adam had dominion. Now that now that Adam has believed the serpent's word over the word of God, Adam has given dominion to the serpent. Now from now on, the curse is that you, Adam, you were made from dust. From today you shall be the food of Satan. From today you shall walk on the belly of Satan. From today Satan has dominion over you. You have no dominion over yourself. In fact, Satan will be using you to do all kind of wickedness. This is what it means here. And more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you shall go. You know, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. So, Satan was completely demoted because... Let me call him the serpent. Because he lied to Adam, he was completely demoted. He was made to go to the very lowest level. And even today, you remember when Jesus died, when he ascended, what did he say? He said, I will go to the belly of the earth for three days. And you remember, it is there where he went to, to disarm principalities. So when he says Satan went to the belly of earth, it also, it also means what we've seen in Revelation chapter 12, where the Bible says, and Satan was kicked out. He was kicked out and he said, woe to the people of the earth because Satan is coming with so much anger. That's why you cannot say Satan is in heaven. Satan has no access to God. Satan cannot accuse you to God. He has no power or authority to be there. The day he lied to Adam is the day he was demoted. And with his demotion came his dominance to men. Now man has no power. Man has no authority. He has given it to the devil. That's why from every single from this now, he becomes completely a slave of Satan and now even a food of the serpent. Amen? You can see here it says, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. We know man was made from dust. So man is basically, then man became basically the food of Satan. Man had no power. He could only do what Satan tells him to do. Because now sin has come. Sin is indwelling in man. Now man has no authority on his own. It is Satan. That's why in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, let me look at it. There's something very important there that is written. Very important scripture. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the very beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So why was the Son of God manifested? Now we know why. Because Adam gave dominion to Satan. Now, because dominion is with Satan, Adam can only live as Satan wants. Adam can only be a slave of Satan. Now, when I'm talking about Adam, I mean mankind. Because at this time, all man is still in Adam. We know Adam was the first man. So now mankind became under the dominion of Satan. Now, he, this is what called for redemption. Amen? So when sin came, now this, there is sin already, and it is in Adam. Now, we see the progress of the story, how it goes. Then we come to meet people called Israel. Now, the people called Israel, how can, you know, let me just say, Israel, the relationship between Israel and God was a picture or a shadow of relationship between God, you know, Christ and the bride. Like right now, the relationship we have with the Father. So this was a picture. Everything we see in the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. It is in shadows. It is in pictures. But now since we have the New Testament and we have the Holy Spirit, we are able to make it plain. So when God gets into a covenant with Israel, it is a picture of the covenant he will get into 
with believers through himself. Amen? And we see it begins with Abraham. We see in Genesis chapter 18 verse 6 where God says, And Abraham believed, and it was accounted unto him righteousness. I want us to pay attention to that word. Abraham believed, and it was accounted unto him righteousness. If you look at the life of Abraham, there are so many good things that he did. But there is only one thing that made him be accounted for righteousness. His faith. He believed. Now, if you remember in the Old Testament, I will take you to, I just want to make this picture clear. I will take you back to, to Sinai. You remember when God gave the command to Moses. Now, when the relationship between God and Israel was beginning, it was on the basis of this law. So God gives some command to Moses to give to Israel. So many of you always hear about the law and you think, oh, the law is the Ten Commandments. Do not, do not. But you know, if you study the word of God, the laws that were given to Israel were actually 613 laws. There were that many because there were laws about how they should dress. There were laws about what they should eat. There were laws about how they should deal even with outsiders, intermarriages and everything. Everything concerning their life had a law. Now, for this law, no, for this relationship to begin between mankind and God. And remember, in the Old Testament, the law that was in relationship with God was given by angels. So actually the ministerial of the Old Testament was angelic. God was not in the picture. Remember when Adam sinned, he got alienated from God in his mind. Now, I'll just mention quickly because I want us to get the aspect. I want us to see the picture of sin, how sin was dealt with. So now sin is in the world. Now these people come into a relationship with God and he gives them the law. Why does he give him the law? To show them, actually the law came to reveal sin. The law, you know, how could you know that if you sleep with somebody's husband or if you sleep with another person and you're married is adultery, unless God told you, do not commit adultery? How will you know that taking that which does not belong to you is sin unless God has told you, do not steal? That's what Paul tries to explain in, in Romans chapter 7. The law came to reveal sin. The law came to show man that, you know what, there is something you inherited from Adam. There is the Adamic nature in you. Now, this is the law of Moses. I want, us to, I, want you to, I want to introduce you to something new here. There is the law of Moses and there is the law of sin and death. The sin that Adam committed resulted to the law of sin and death. The law that Adam, that Mo God gave to Moses was the law of, you know, we call it the law of Moses. That was the law that was just between God and Israel. And by the way, so many times we like using these laws against us, you know, like the laws of tithing, the laws of, you know, cleanliness, do not wear this, do not wear that. But we forget that this law was never given to you unless you are a Jew. The only person that was in Sinai was Moses and the people of Israel. And by the way, when Moses was given the tablets of the law, what happened? He broke them. Because no one has the power to keep the law. The law of God is spiritual. Let me show you something in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 verse 14, very important thing Paul says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Remember, this generation is of people who are already sold under sin by Adam. And the law is spiritual. 
there is no way this law is able to be kept by people who are already sold under sin. So that's why you remember now there is an establishment of an order or a system of, you know, taking care of this sin. That's why we see in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, how they were kind of offering, sin offering, peace offering. And I want us to pay attention to one offering, a very simple offering, sin offering, how it was done. So in the Old Testament, when you broke a law, when there was a need for an offering, what you did was you brought a lamp because the laws had already demanded, the laws had already put in place that if, if this kind of this, this, if this kind of offense is done, this is the kind of animal to bring. So in the Old Testament, what happened is there were priests. There was a tribe that God chose to be a, the priesthood. So when sacrifices were brought, they brought animals that were blameless, that had no, they had no issue on their body, clean, blameless lambs. So when the lambs would come to the priest, the priest being the eyes of God would inspect the lamb would inspect the animal and after inspecting and making sure that it is clean it is blameless it has no deformity or anything then this sinner this person of sin who has brought the animal would lay their hands on the animal and then what happened by laying their hands on the animal and the priest taking his priestly role it be, it meant that now the sin of the sinner was being transferred to the animal i reminded you again when i said Abraham believed and it was accounted unto him righteousness. Now, when this man, this sinner lays their hands on this animal, sin is being transferred. It is the same accountation, it is the same mother procedure that was used upon Abraham receiving righteousness. It is imputation. So sin was, was you know, sin really was transferred from the sinner to the lamb. And now, Whatever happened to the lamb happened to sin. And we know that the lamb was killed and the blood was shed. Because in Leviticus 17.10, God said that the... What did he say? Let me just read it for you. Very important. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 10. I love this scripture. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for their souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So in the Old Testament, they used to make atonement for their souls with the bloods of the lamb. So whenever the blood was shed, it meant that there is a, there's somehow, you know, a peaceful, there is somehow, even though this, this we, we've come to learn from the New Testament that these sacrifices did not really please God. They were just a shadow. But somehow for that time, they worked. So this is what they do, and they used to do it annually. Now, let me bring you to the New Testament. Now we, now we understand how sin came. We understand now that sin is the curse of the law. Sin was the curse that came as a result of Adam disobeying. I want us to understand that one. Sin was not what Adam did. Sin was not what Adam did not do. Sin was the curse that came as a result of Adam's disobedience. That's why we are told in Romans chapter 12, through one man's disobedience, sin came. Through one man's obedience, righteousness came. So the disobedience of Adam brought a curse. A curse that came upon all mankind that was in his loins. And the curse was, you shall always be a slave of the devil. You've given him dominion. Now you'll be, he will be ruling you. And because sin has already come into your flesh, you'll have no power over him. He will have power over you. 
And then let me show you something very important as well. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. And remember, this dominion or this slavery or this curse that was said upon man being a slave of the devil, there was something that was said after it. There was, there was hope. There's a gospel that was preached there. And he says, uh-huh, there is something very important that God says in Genesis 3.15. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your, so your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall brood, bruise his heel. So this, there was hope there. There was a gospel preached there. Now God is speaking to the serpent, you know. Even though you have dominion over man, even though you have lied to them and now they are your food, a time is coming when there will be a seed of a woman. Just the same way through the seed of a woman you lie to mankind, there is another seed of a woman that is coming that will bruise you, that will take dominion from you, that will take all the power from you of death. So who is this seed of a woman? Now we understand what sin is. I believe we do. I repeat again, sin is the curse of the law that came as a result of Adam's disobedience. We see that sin has come through Adam. Now this sin that has come through Adam is through all mankind. Now we see even the people of Israel manifesting that God is true, that indeed men are sinful. Because when the law was given, we see all manner of, you know, of disobedience and death as a result of it. Remember, the law strengthens sin, and the sting of sin is death. So where there is law, sin will be more. And where there is more sin, death will be more. That's why it is written that death reigned from Adam to Moses. I want us to get this. Death reigned from Adam to Moses because it is in those days that the law reigned. It is in those days that the, 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 the law of sin and death was at work in men and they had no power over it until the seed of the woman that will be revealed. But for them, they were still in slavery. Let me remind you, when the law was first given to Moses at Sinai, so many people died. So many people died on just that one day. Actually, the scripture says 3,000 people. Now, let me bring you back. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came, 3,000 men were saved. 3,000 men were received the Holy Spirit. They believed in the gospel because the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. So let us see now. We have seen what sin is. We have seen how it came. We have understood that is the curse of the law. And now we have seen that there is a seed of a woman that is meant to come and deal with this curse. Did it happen? Let's go back to Matthew. Let us go to Matthew chapter, chapter 1, verse 21. We all know this seed. And when we talk about this seed, let me just read first. Matthew 1, 21 says, And she will bring forth a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So this is the seed that was promised by God. Now, I mentioned to you about the lambs in the Old Testament that used to, to take away the sin of mankind, that, that, the, that the sin of men would be imputed on them. I told you that these lambs were perfect. They were blameless. God, you know, let me say, the Lord did not accept lambs that had blemishes or any kind of deformity. They had to be clean. Now, this was a picture of Jesus. Jesus being the blameless, spotless lamb of God. Why is he blameless and spotless? 
Jesus is the man who was sired not by a seed of a man, but by the seed of God. And when, Ma when Mary got pregnant with Jesus, she was virgin. She was a virgin. She hadn't seen no man. So it was God who sired Jesus, meaning Jesus was perfect. Jesus was holy. Jesus was blameless. Jesus was without any deformity. Jesus was that perfect lamb that was needed. Amen. So now the lamb has been manifested. Now, what is this lamb for? I would love to use that picture. I believe actually this is the most, the, the most easiest way to understand what happened to sin because they were all foreshadows of the perfect, you know, the perfect sacrifice of God. Like I told you, when the sacrificial lamb was brought to the priest, the person of sin would lay their hands on the lamb and their sin would be transferred to the lamb and then the lamb would be killed. So now we see there is the perfect lamb of God. John tells us in John 1, 29, behold, we know it even from John that Jesus is the lamb. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How is the lamb to take away the sin of the world? Now let us go there. Let me show you something in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Remember, we made it very clear the perfect definition of sin was a curse of the law and the even more clearer understanding of sin is that it was a personality it was what adam became when adam chose to partake from the knowledge of good and evil he became he became the man of sin he became the carrier of sin he became the host of sin for all mankind the the law of sin and death began had power over him so we see here what happened to the curse, the curse of the law. Galatians 3 verse, verse 13 makes it very clear that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now we understand the curse, we understand the lamb. So Jesus has become the lamb of God that will bear the sin of mankind. Jesus has become the curse of the law. How did Jesus become the curse of the law? Let me remind you, Jesus was a man who was born under the law. He was raised under the law and he ministered under the law. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill. And we know that the wages of sin was death. We know that the law resulted to sin and sin resulted to death. So when Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law, then he meant his end will be death. The only way to fulfill the law is to die. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus had become the law. Jesus had become the curse, the curse that Adam that came as a result of Adam's fall. Jesus had become sin. How do we know this? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, the Bible tells us, "He made him who knew no sin." I will always take you back to the words of Abraham. Abraham believed and it was accounted unto him righteousness. The same way it was accounted unto unto Jesus, the sin of the world. Jesus was perfect and blameless. He knew no sin, but it pleased God to make him sin. That's why Jesus says these words to himself. I, I love these words of Jesus. There's some powerful words that Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 10. Let me just read for you a few verses. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 5, he says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Remember what I just told you. 
the sacrifices that were being made by men under the law, they did not please God. He did not even desire them. It was just a way of alleviating. It was just a way of, of holding on until the perfect sacrifice would come. So Jesus says what? A body you have prepared for me. Why did God need a body? Why did God need a body? Just like the way the priest in the Old Testament needed a lamb. A lamb would be the body upon which the sin of man will be killed. So God needed a body because he needed to condemn sin in it. He needed to condemn the law in it. He needed to end the law of sin and death in it. So the reason Jesus was manifested, it is because his body was needed. Perfect, holy, blameless body. That's why he was called the Lamb of God. Jesus says in 6, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. All these, if, all these efforts that people made in the Old Testament, God had no pleasure. Then he said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. So all these things we've seen from Genesis all the way to Leviticus, all the way to, to Malachi, all these things. It was just a volume telling about the one who is to come. It all went back to Genesis where God told the serpent, the seed of the woman will bruise your head. So all these happenings, they are progressing towards that. So Jesus is here coming to tell me, everything you've seen written there was talking about me, was talking about me coming, was talking about me bringing my body. Amen? Then he says, behold, I have come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do your will, O God. What was the will of God? It was God's pleasure that the sin of mankind will be condemned on Jesus' body. It was God's good pleasure that Jesus, who knew no sin, will be made sin. It was God's good pleasure that on the body of Jesus, every sin and every other curse of the law would be nailed on it. Remember, just as sin is a curse of the law, so is poverty, so is sickness, so is anything that is not of God. All this stemmed from this sin. So when Jesus is coming as sin, when Jesus is coming as the fulfiller of the law, then he's taking all this and beginning a new beginning. Let's continue here and say, previous, previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Hallelujah. This word is sweet. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will. He repeats these words, oh God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. The first was the relationship, was that, that agreement, that covenant that God had between him and Israel on the basis of the law. We know that they failed. They couldn't keep the law. They couldn't please God even with all their sacrifices. So Jesus is coming. I'm coming to take away that and bring anew. What is this that Jesus is bringing? He says, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The body of Jesus Christ. I want us to pay attention to this body of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the body of Jesus is coming. The body of Jesus is coming to destroy the wall that was between the old and the new. The body of Jesus is coming to destroy the enmity that was between God and man. The body of Jesus is coming to be put, every failure that was ever was, is going to be put on Jesus and a new beginning will come. So Jesus is coming as the last Adam. Amen. So we see Jesus come. 
and we see Jesus lived under the law. We see teacher Jesus teaching under the law everything that pertains to the law. In fact, we used to think that the, the Pharisees and the people of the Old Testament knew the law, but from Jesus' teaching, from Jesus' mind, we realize even these people were hypocrites. They didn't even know the law. So Jesus taught the law perfectly. Jesus fulfilled the law, and at the end of it all, he ended up on the cross. Now I want us to go to the moment of the cross. So we see Jesus hanging on the cross, but now we understand that Jesus has become sin. So when men look at Jesus on the cross and they see a helpless man who is crying for no help, God looks at Jesus and sees the law. He sees sin. He sees sickness. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.24 that he bore our sins in his body. He bore it all. On the body of Jesus was sin. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, that was sin. Also, that was the law. Let me show you something. In Ephesians, in Colossians, sorry, Colossians chapter 2, it says, Colossians chapter 2 verse Let's begin from 13. It says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive with God together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So what is on the body of Jesus on the cross? There is the law. There is sin. Let me show you another word. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 15 says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the enmity. I want you to pay attention to the word enmity and go back to Adam, go back to Genesis. Adam and God were flowing. They had fellowship. They were good until the law came. And this law resuscitated the sin that was once. It brought alive. It made active the sin that once lay dead and inactive. So in Adam, there is sin. This, this sin even now puts enmity between Adam and God. That's why when God is coming to the garden, the Adam who was always dancing around him naked now runs to hide. So there is already enmity. So the enmity is the reason why Jesus came to take care of it. The enmity is sin. And it is written here, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. That's making peace. So Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. Jesus was the perfect, clean, genuine lamb that God wanted. Jesus' body was the perfect one where all the sin of mankind would be placed on him. Every law would be fulfilled by him. So as Jesus was hanging on the cross, as men saw a helpless man, God saw sin. God saw condemnation. God saw sickness. God saw poverty. God saw enmity. God was so pleased and so happy and so joyful that even as, as Jesus hung on the cross at this moment as the last Adam, even as he cried, Oh my God, why have you forsaken me? God was quiet because that was the mind of Adam speaking. Remember, he hung on the cross was the last Adam. So we get to see the mind of Adam. Actually, that day that Adam became separated from God, so the separation only was in his mind. So we get to hear Adam's mind for once. Why have you forsaken me? The truth is God never forsook him. It was Adam who forsook God in his mind. And by the death of Jesus, Adam will be put back to God into fellowship. 
So as Jesus hung on the cross, it was an intense moment. It was a moment of condemnation. It was a moment of judgment of the sin of the entire world being judged on Jesus. That's why as at now, God cannot judge you of sin. God cannot judge you of that work of the flesh because Jesus already paid for it. So that's why it became even dark for three hours from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. It became dark. Why? Because the whole of creation bowed down to the Lamb of God. It bowed down to Jesus. It was an intense moment, painful for the body of Jesus, yet glorious for God because it was a moment of glorification. Remember in John 17, before the crucifixion, Jesus prayed and said, glorify me. So on the cross, it was a moment of glorification. It was a moment where the seed got to be planted and put under the soil so that when it come up, it will bring God many sons. It was a moment of glory for God. It was a moment of honor. The Bible says there was plenty of earthquake and the saints who were once buried resurrected and presented themselves to their family. Why? Because Jesus descended. We know that Jesus descended. He disarmed all powers. He disarmed all principality. Every authority the enemy had taken from Adam, Jesus takes it back. And because Satan had power of death, now Jesus has taken back the power. We see the dead coming back to life. That's why in Revelation 1.18 it says, Jesus has the keys of death and Hades. I tell you the truth, Satan has no power. Satan has no dominion. Satan has nothing. He was disarmed. So were his principalities. So was everything concerning him. And dominion came back with Jesus. On the resurrection, when Jesus resurrected, actually what meant was death is defeated. I understand that many people still say death is the last enemy that will be defeated. But let me tell you something. There is no any other defeat that God is going to bring. Defeat has already been, been, been brought. You know, the work has already been finished. When Jesus resurrected, he meant death, you have no power. Death, you have no authority. Sin, you are defeated. The law, you have been fulfilled. So now it's a new beginning. What does this mean then? So now we understand the origin of sin, what sin is actually, and how it was dealt with. We understand that apart from the law, there is no sin. And actually we have also learned that the reason why God could not impute sin in those days before the law came, it is because without the law, there is no imputation for sin. So the law came so that to reveal the sin of man. And once this sin is revealed, then man would see himself in need of a savior. Then we see the son of God being revealed, taking away the sin of the world. So now man has been restored. So what does this mean? What does it mean when we say Jesus became sin and he died as sin? Now. Let me read for you a wonderful scripture here. Very important. We must read it just to summarize on the issue of sin, on what happened on Jesus' body. Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says, For what the law could not do in, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in his flesh. This is another very clear scripture showing us that the flesh of Jesus came in the likeness of sin. So when Jesus, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, that was the sin of the world hanging on the cross being judged. So what does this mean? We understand that Jesus hanging on the cross was the last Adam. So this means we are going back to Genesis. We are going back to Eden. Remember where Adam fell. 
after God gave the law to Adam and told him, do not partake from this tree. That was the last, actually let me say, that was the last part we remember where God was in communion with God. God was in communion with Adam and Adam has his dominion with him. Until in Genesis chapter 3 where we see the serpent coming to lie to Eve, Adam was still in control. So now the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus means that mankind is back to default setting. Mankind is back to where that man that God created, we saw it in Genesis chapter 2, and God, and God breathed into his nostrils and the man became a living soul. So the resurrection of Jesus means man is back to default setting. So what does this mean? Does this mean all men are saved? No. This means man is back to that position where he has a choice. Choose life, choose death. We know life is Jesus. We know death is outside of Jesus. Just like before Adam was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and of the tree of life, and Adam chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now mankind is back there. You cannot blame Adam for your sin anymore because this sin Jesus has already taken care of. But there I want you to remember, you have never sinned against God directly. You sinned to God through Adam. Same way you can never please God directly. It is through Jesus Christ. That is why it is written, there is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. So Jesus has reconciled the world back to God. All the dominion and the power and authority that Adam had given to the serpent is taken back. The serpent is nothing, is defeated. He has no even power over death. So dominion is back to God. Dominion is back to mankind. So mankind is back to Genesis. Right now, the reason we preach the gospel is for you to receive faith and believe on the tree of life. It's for you to choose. We tell you what happened. We tell you how Jesus took care of it. Now you choose. It is the same as in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. It says, I have set before you. Is it 30 or 19 or 19, 30? I have set before you life and death. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. So what is life? Life is Jesus Christ. How do you choose life? By believing the gospel. That's why I will finish with some few scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which says, which talks about reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, very important scriptures here. I want you to see this is now a, more like a summary of the finished works. It says, let me begin from 12. It says, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in their parents and not in heart. For, it, for if we, we are besides ourselves, it is not of God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. The reason we preach this gospel with the mind of Christ is because we want you to trust fully in Christ, not in your efforts. Not in the wisdom we used to bring these words to you, but in the finished works that Jesus reads sin and Jesus is the only life. Amen? So for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Jesus died for all mankind. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was Adam. So all mankind died in Jesus. So the only people you see in this world are living in Christ or dead outside of Christ. 
there is no sinner in this world there is no there is no um, there is no sin there is only living men who have believed in Jesus Christ by partaking from the tree of life and there is dead men who are outside of Christ because all men died in Jesus that's why in Ephesians chapter 2 you will see him telling us you were once dead in your trespasses but God through his mercy raised you with Christ so when you believe the gospel you resurrect that's why Jesus said in John chapter 5, a time is coming when people will hear the trumpet and they will come back to life. The trumpet is the gospel. When we preach this gospel, when we tell people of reconciliation, when we tell people of who Jesus is and what he did to them, they receive the, they receive the power to resurrect. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power. It is the power of God. The only power that can save mankind, the only power that can resurrect you is the gospel. When you hear this gospel, when you believe, God responds by sealing you with his Holy Spirit. So you see here he says, it says, and he died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known them Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. So when Jesus put on the body of sin and dealt with sin, Jesus was glorified back to spirit. So Jesus Christ is the spirit. is the spirit that is in you when you believe the gospel. Now, my, the attention I wanted our attention was to be in this scripture. It says, verse 18, this is actually the scripture that I wanted us to see. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Hallelujah. You remember that which Adam was lied to by the serpent and gave him dominion? Now I want you to know that dominion is back to you. Dominion is back to Jesus. Jesus has redeemed. Jesus has brought back mankind, the world, and everything back to God. There is nothing of the devil in this world. Nothing. Everything belongs to God. So Jesus has reconciled man back to, to God. So the reason we preach this gospel is to make men know that they are reconciled. So the only reconciliation that is remaining is of our mind. God has already reconciled mankind to himself. Now, why we preach this gospel is for men to hear it and reconcile their minds because the mind got into, into a disconnection. So how does reconciliation come? When you hear this good news and you believe God seals you with his Holy Spirit, he says so in Ephesians 1.13, he seals you with the spirit of guarantee of your redemption. Salvation is just as simple as that. You believe the gospel and God seals you. You might have been hearing this gospel maybe for the first time you might have been wondering what is happening how can i know jesus i just want you to know that jesus loves you jesus became your sin jesus died as your sin he paid the whole price god has no enmity with you god has no pain with you god has no anger or enmity god is perfectly god you know god is perfectly peaceful with you the only thing he needs is for you to believe on the Lord Jesus. The only thing God wants is for you to eat from the tree of life and live eternally. The only thing God has on offer right now is eternal life. That's why it is written in John 16 that he gave his son that whoever believes shall live eternally, shall have everlasting life. And I heard it goes to say, whoever does not believe is condemned. The reason why men are dying, the reason why men are perishing is not because of sin. 
It is not because God is angry. It is not because God is punishing. It is because men are choosing death over life. Right now, as a man, you have the power, you have the wisdom, you have, you have the authority to choose life by believing in Jesus Christ or to choose death by rejecting Christ. So you might be there and you may be thinking, I'd like to believe in this Jesus. I'd like to believe in this one who died for me. Believe. There is no formula to salvation. Believe in your heart. He says when you believe, he seals you with his Holy Spirit. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you are God. I believe that you came in the flesh. You died for my sin and you resurrected. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in the gospel. Amen. Receive the Spirit. I believe that will be enough for today. Kindly remember to subscribe to the channel. Also remember, if you have, I know from this teaching you might be having so many questions. I am here to answer them. Kindly write me on WhatsApp. My number will be down there. Also come to my Facebook page. I'm Josephine Hild and Josephine Hild Ministries. Always free, feel free to write on my inbox. And make sure you subscribe because the teachings are only getting better. Until next time, God bless you.